Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Data Dialogues. I'm Julian Redman, General Manager at Certus Insight and the host for the podcast. I recently had a chance to talk to Alan Loder from Central Queensland Uni and Brian Thomas from Westgate about Alan's journey at CQU and how they're using Westgate to automate their Data Vault 2 data warehouse. The conversation was interesting and I think you'll find it too. I think it's got some insights for the Data Dialogues audience it could be really valuable. So here's my conversation with Alan and Brian. Alan, how about we start with you? Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and, and your role at CQU? Right, um, CQU's a dual sector university. So we teach vet and um, university courses with about 35,000 students across 16 campuses in Australia. Um, so I joined business intelligence team at the uni um, straight out of university about 14 years ago. Um, we've always been a small team, so I've worked in most of the areas of the BI development lifecycle, starting as a report developer, moving into dashboard development and analytics, and now currently I am leading the ETL development um, here using Wearscape. Fantastic. That's great. And Brian, um, maybe you can introduce Wearscape and yourself. Oh, sure. Sure. My name is Brian Thomas. I'm a senior solutions architect for Wearscape. So I have been around the block a few times. I started off working on the space shuttle, working on uh, trajectory design packages for that. I built my first data warehouse in the 90s for a uh, large insurance company. It was, uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, I work for Wearscape now. I've been working for this for a couple of years. I design, uh, help people go to the cloud with their warehouses or automate their current warehouses. So Wearscape is an automation tool. So we started off in about 20 years ago and now we have like 800 customers around the world, so. Yeah, great. Well, lots of experience in the room. Maybe I'm the least experienced, but that's okay. I'm asking the questions. So Alan, um, Maybe you can talk a little bit about the, the project at CQU and maybe what were the original challenges that, uh, that you're facing that led to the decision to try DataVault as a, as a, a methodology? Mm -hmm. So a bit of history. Um, in C or at CQU um, in 2016, we changed our student system, um, which is where probably 80 or 90% of our data within the warehouse comes from. So we also changed the ETL tool we were using at the time as well. So we moved from data manager to SSIS. Um, and because it was just really rushed, um, it was a last minute change. Um, and it was just me doing the work of both maintaining the old warehouse and building the new one. We had several issues. So in 2017, we decided to move away from SSIS and go with Wearscapes, Wearscape with the hope of automating much more of the process. Um, so we've got left with, um, or we implemented uh, data stores from Wearscape and some data vault, but we ran into issues trying to maintain, maintain both. Um, so our build times were getting a bit slow, that sort of thing. So uh, what was it? Early last year, we decided to move completely to a Data Vault 2.0 methodology. So we're currently in the process of finalizing all the features that we've had 
available in the old warehouse, um, which um, really comes down to um, we chose Data Vault because the main issue we had is that our sources don't capture history. So it becomes really challenging for us to then try and implement um, year on year analysis of enrollments at a set point in time. Right. Um, we also had a few systems that can be unreliable. So they have a habit of changing history. So at least with Data Vault, we can capture that as well. Yeah. So That's do you it. think it was Westgate led to Data Vault rather than Data Vault led to Westgate? Is that? Uh, I think it was a bit of both. Um, the manager of the BI team at the time had used Darbolt at a previous um, employer. So he yeah. was familiar with it. Um, and it was more so um, once we got uh, more familiar with Wearscape, it was a better fit to go fully to Data Vault rather than a bit of both. Yeah, fair enough. And Brian, is that typical? Do you, have, you, know, do you see uh, customers... Um, coming to Data Vault first and then looking for Westcape or the other way around? Or yeah, what's what's kind of the typical reasons you see customers you know, making those choices? Well, the, the, the typical reasons that I'm seeing is is Data Vault first. So they, they go to something like Snowflake or something like that. They're going to the cloud is a lot of that. And they, they want to go and modernize more than just their platform, but their schema as well, their design. So they start looking at, at Data Vault as a way to do that. And, and, and then they look and they, they Google Data Vault vendors and Wearscape mm. is literally the number one <laughs> in the Google searches. That that's what somebody told me yesterday, and they're like, "There, right. you're, you're the first one to come up." <laughs> Perfect. That's good. So, Alan, um, can you maybe talk a little bit about how you've used Wearscape at CQU um, for you know for that automation, um, and maybe some of the advantages you've actually seen by making that that. Uh, taking that direction, I guess. So I think the main um, part of automation we gain out of this is using 3D. Um, you basically build um, the process of how you model a table. Hmm. Um, so it comes down to you have a number of um, templates that you apply to the table that you want to model into a data vault. It basically goes through and creates you a logical design for the data vault. You run some more rules. It then creates the load, the stage, the data vault tables. Um, then you can choose which um, database you want to deploy it to, SQL Server, Oracle. Um, then it's just exported out into RED. And at that point, it creates the tables within the database and the stored procedures needed to populate them. They're scheduled within RED then and they can be set to run overnight. Um, so generally for our standard tables, we can do this in anywhere from an hour to two hours. So we get a lot of um, tables through very quickly. Yeah. Um, the main advantages I think we've had is that because we've modeled the process more so than an individual table, we just follow the checklist and we get a very consistent um, data vault design at the end, everything's gone through the same process. It yeah. um, gives us a much cleaner outlook at the end. So the design is very consistent across all of our um, tables. Um, mm. 
in general, using Data Vault um, has allowed um, much easier integration between our different source systems because they all end up in the Data Vault. Um, and because we're only capturing history uh, changes with Data Vault, we're getting um, much less storage requirements um, at all the right. end of the day. So we have some of our sources are very much, here's all the data every day. Yeah, right. Whether it's changed or not. So, so you're, getting, you're getting kind of speed of development. Um, you're getting consistent code you know, coming through that. Um, and you're getting some efficiencies, I guess, from storage or performance and those sorts of things as well. So Brian, yes. is, that, is that the normal Westgate checklist of things you could expect to, uh, to um, achieve if you, if you take on Westgate to, to do Data Vault? Right. Doing doing Data Vault, I, I think of it as as Wearscape helps tame the Data Vault beast because the mm. the number of tables just grows. Um, like like Alan was saying, you 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 create your you take your source. Maybe it's five tables. I like to use the example of five tables, and you know employees and orders and, and customers and orders details. And, you know, you take those simple tables and then you, you, you create a data vault design from it and you, you put in your relationships and you mark what are the, the, the business keys and, and, and hubs and all those things. And then you, you create a data vault from it. Well, that data vault could turn into 15 tables. When you talk about your hubs, links and your satellites and everything yeah. else, you end up with like 15 tables which turns into 25 tables once you create your load and stage tables to be able to load that data vault. So that's where Wearscape really has the power because we do that for you in a programmatic way in our, what we call our, um, our model conversion routines that run. Uh, they have templates and things that do all that work for you. So uh, you take that mundane part of the job, you automate it, and then you can work on what's important, which is making the business happy and, and completing their requirements faster. So, Yeah, I know I've seen, um, I've had one of my team sort of show me through what gets produced at the at the end of the process, and you know, there's all there's a lot of stored procedures and a and a <laughs> lot of code that you don't have to write by hand anymore. So that's yeah, that's really cool. So, um, Alan, has it kind of the ability to use automation and speed up the process and get that consistency? Has that changed how you interact with business users and your delivery processes? Is that has that been a benefit? Oh, I think the main thing we've gotten out of this is the delivery speed has improved vastly um, so we can get through tables quicker in the first place and because it's just the same process over and over um, until you're familiar with the process you continue to get faster and faster once mm. you start gaining that better understanding of how the templates or the model conversions work within 3d yeah. um, the other main one we've had is the business users can see a return on the time they've spent with us far sooner yeah. So we can prototype an initial design really quickly. We can then iterate development on it over and over again until we get something that they're happy with. So what? How? what's the typical time frame for you for kind of starting to touch some data to actually getting a, a prototype a business user could actually you know, have a look at? Um, so if we get, say, a report that has three tables within two days, I would be reasonably comfortable to say then here it is in a data vault format. 
That's great. That's um, great. It's doing yeah. a lot quicker than it used to be, I'm sure. So, <laughs> um, so uh, you know, as far as, Brian, as far as um, kind of team structure and, and development and delivery practices and all of those sorts of things, do you see um, big shifts in your customers as they move to Data Vault and to automation? Um, is that something that the Westscape sort of notices? Yeah, what we what we see is is like Alan said, the projects get done a lot faster. So the teams go from they they spend a lot of less time writing code for those repeatable processes, and they did they spend more time producing code that actually gives their company that advantage in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. The biggest change is to agile development. So that's what Data Vault gives you. It's it's designed and written around this this methodology it really is about how you can make changes quickly reduce the time to implement those business changes so that's the that's the biggest change to teams is you don't have to do as much of those mundane uh, coding changes you know over and over and over again the same thing we we automate that for you i think the chain um the team structure changes a bit as well. You kind of, you know, you, you involve analysts or report writers. You know, if, if you're getting a, something that a business user can look at um, in two days, you must be involving some, you know, business people then in that process. And so it certainly creates that feedback loop. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is it is one of those things where, where we have had customers that tell us that they they sit down and instead of taking you know and getting requirements from their um, from their business and then going off and coding it and coming back a week later and then saying is this what you meant they can sit mm-hmm. down and prototype live with the customers right there with our tool mm-hmm. saying is this it now this is the report that comes out of this is this what you want you can you can do that 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 quickly with our tool yeah well certainly with the improvements in uh, visualization tools as well you know bi tools i think that you can you can do a lot of that kind of ad hoc stuff as well so it's, if you've got the data prepared and ready um, it just becomes a how you're going to look at it so alan you've been through this journey for quite a while now what's uh what's the set of best practice tips that you might give someone who was uh who was embarking on um on a journey to build a new warehouse um i would think the main point is if you're using 3d make sure you spend enough time getting the process right so once you get the process right in 3D, everything else becomes a bit easier. So you're just deploying the finalized process to the database. As soon as you mm-hmm. have a table to load, you run through the same steps you've run every other time. You yeah. have a new object within the data vault. Um, and did you, did you guys send people on data vault training when you started this, Jen? Uh, the manager of the BI team at the time went. Um, yeah. We didn't, but we had all read through um, a couple of textbooks and that. But so that's one of our main learnings would be to make sure that you're upskilling your staff. If you're going to Data Vault, everyone needs to understand a Data Vault. So yeah. even if they're not building it, they need to know how to query it. They need to know how to properly reference everything. Yeah, I think um, we have a group of you guys coming early in the new year as well for more some mm-hmm. training. Yeah, yep. great. Um, so another thing would be don't just jump in and start loading data. I think if you spend some time and look towards the future, what other systems do you have to load? 
Um, so the hub tables are usually your integration points between source systems. So make sure that your keys are correct. Yeah. I've heard that one quite a few times from lots of different people. It's clearly important. So. And the other um, one that I think is um, really nice is we create satellites on uh, views on all of our satellites that add end dates. So it's mm -hmm. just from a business user perspective makes it so much easier to query. Okay. So it yeah, might correct. be simple, but they're templated out of 3D. We don't actually do anything. They're just deployed. Yeah. Every time we load a table, they're there automatically, and it's just the easiest feature to use. Yeah, beautiful. So, Brian, what would be your advice to uh, to someone considering this journey? Well, I would definitely recommend that you take the Data Vault 2.0 certification class. Um, it really, it really is a, an eye opener for uh, for Data Vault. Um, you can read the book, but that book put me to sleep. <laughs> and I've been doing. I'm a 20 year DBA, and I, I read DBA books. And yeah. uh, so, so that would be the first thing I would say. And uh, the next thing is, don't be afraid to to jump in. Like you said, um, you can maybe not load your data, especially large amounts, but jump in with our Data Vault Express tool. The the 3D part of that is really is an agile tool that you can go in and you can play around and try to determine what's the right design for your Data Vault. But like you said, if you if you get your if you get your hubs, if you get your business keys wrong, and uh, that's what hashes are built on and stuff, it's it's kind of you know it takes a lot to recover from that. But as far as playing with it and going and and trying to create a data vault design, going well, do I want this to be a link or a a transaction and and all these different things that you can just go in, click on a few buttons, change what it's the attribute type is for that field and be able to change and say, oh, let's pull these out into a high, you know, high rate of change satellite, or let's pull it out into a medium rate of change. You can pull your data out. Maybe you have uh, requirements for security or medical data has to be pulled out, personal information. You can pull that out so easy with a click of a button. And I would just say, jump in and get started with the, the modeling tool, our 3D tool, because you'd be surprised at what you can get done in just a, a few days. Definitely. Yeah, and, and thinking and then, about, I guess, oh, sorry, going on. Especially using the visual aspect of 3D, it just makes things so much simpler. Mm. Seeing it down on paper just makes things clearer. So would you guys agree then maybe if someone's starting on this journey, you know, do a pilot and actually have a play with the tools rather than, yeah, on paper kind of, you know, demos and on paper um, Definitely. Exactly. Like, and especially um, seeing it in the real world is much different to seeing it in the nice clean data sets you usually have in training. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. sure, yeah, dealing with all those curly curly bits that come through. So, Alan, where do you see um, the implementation going for, for you and how how's it going to help CQU uh, going forward? Um, in the short term, we're going to finish off getting feature parity with our existing warehouse. So moving everything into the new Data Vault 2.0 world. Um, from there, we'll be looking at increasing the number of source systems we're integrating with. So at the moment, we're mostly covering just unit enrollment data 
um, coming from our student system, but we'd like to move to learning um, the learning management system so we can ensure that the students are engaged, getting their work done on a week-to-week -week basis. Uh, we'd like to see network access data added into our area to ensure that our um, campus facilities are being utilised. Um, and another interesting one that we've got a bit further in the pipeline is we're looking at adding some machine learning models. Yeah. Um, so currently we have one looking at predicting a student's likelihood to pass based on their history and their cohort. Yeah. Um, but other things that come up in that area are like looking at an application to determine if that student or potential student will likely enroll with CQU. And if they're going to enroll, are they going to be successful? Right. So, so kind of once you've got the foundation in place, you know, being the, the warehouse and you're adding in some additional data sets, you can actually then do some analytics that's going to have real Honestly. meaningful change to, to the students and, you know, and, and the way the uni runs. And especially with capturing all the history that the Data Vault does, developing these analytical models is much easier. You've got a much richer environment to train the models on. Wow, that's cool. That's good. Oh, I mean, anything that helps a student stay enrolled and actually pass their their uh, course is, mm -hmm. uh, is obviously a huge benefit, not only to them, but to the uni as well. So that's fantastic. Great. Well, look, thanks, guys, for uh, joining me this morning and uh, and having this chat. It's been really good. Well, this afternoon for you, Brian. Thanks for joining uh, <laughs> later in the day. Um, very early morning over here. But, uh, yeah, look, I really appreciate it. And thanks for your time. You're welcome. No worries. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to access additional resources on today's topic, be notified when new episodes of Data Dialogues go live and access valuable information management resources and news, head over to certasolutions.com forward slash data dialogues or follow the link in the description. I hope you'll join me on the next episode.